I'm creating a collection of stories showcasing resilient people who overcome unimaginable hardships while finding beauty in the ups and downs of life. Every moment is significant. This is Push Diaries Podcast. I'm your host, Tess. I met Josiah at Wind River Ranch in Estes Park, Colorado in 2013. He was a young 19-year-old guy at the time, and I was pretty young myself, but quite a bit older than him, and I always thought of him as like a little brother. We had so much fun all together, and he was super, super talented with making videos. He'll tell you that he wasn't good at it or that he didn't know what he was doing, but he always was able to capture our guests' visit to the ranch so beautifully and truly show the power and the love of God that not only he had, but has for everyone. A video production and art of every kind can be so powerful when used for good. Josiah grew up and became a man and met the lovely Ashlyn, who he is now engaged to, which I'm so happy to share, and I'm so excited to know. Um, it must have been within the last year, um, I was looking at Josiah's social media page, and a video came up about Ashlyn's brother, Brian, who is in a late onset of a genetic disease called Dannon's disease. He and some of his siblings have Dannon's disease, and the video was really hard to watch, but also pretty incredible to have such a vulnerable moment between them be shared with all of us. Please be sure to visit pushdiariespodcast.com forward slash episodes forward slash Ashlyn and Josiah to see the video and have access to their social media accounts along with Josiah's videography page and Ashlyn's blog. I'm so, so thankful for them getting on with me today and talking about health, wellness, relationships, personality differences, and how God loves every single one of us, no matter where we're at in life. Without further ado, here they are, Ashlyn and Josiah. Thank you so much for listening. I just said I, I knew Josiah from Wind River Ranch, but he probably told you that already. Yes, he did, but that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, well, Josiah, how old were you in 2013? 2013, I was oh 19. Yeah, a baby. Wow. I felt like you were my little brother. I had to keep you straight. and. <laughs> it felt like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, now I'm 26, and she's... 27 and she's 27 and a half she's a cougar <laughs> nice yeah well I mean she's lucky to have you I'm I imagine she's a wonderful lady because I know what kind of guy you are so yeah I'm so happy for you guys and you just got engaged yeah yes I don't know it's been when was it May it was May 1st so he did it on a good day I can remember yeah <laughs> yeah you'll always remember May 1 yes so, one, well, two, yeah. Let me see your ring. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what do you call it? Like a square cut or what is it? Um, like an emerald cut. Love it. Good yeah. good taste there. Wanted something <laughs> simple, something different. Yeah, no. So. Love it. Okay, so how did you guys meet? Let's start there. 
We met at church. So after I left Wind River, I got a job at Red Rocks Church in Denver, Colorado on the creative team um, as a filmmaker there. And so I did that for four and a half years. I'm freelance now, but while I was working there, um, I was with the young adults, one of our young adult services, and we some had a mutual friend, I think Sarah. You were in a small group with one of my friends. Yeah, and then bumped into each other. And they, they introduced us, but... I, at the time, was not, like, wanting to date or talk to any guy. I was just like, no, but, like, you're nice, but, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus, you're a year younger than me, and you just moved here, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not sure about it, although you're super cute, and I guess you're all right. <laughs> yes, and we, like, both found out we were both from South Texas. Yeah, um, we actually grew up for the first five years of our lives. We grew up like two hours apart. But yeah. but see, that's wild. Isn't, yeah. isn't life weird like that where it's like, so, okay, I really wanted to ignore you, but we have all these things in common. So, <laughs> And then we're both the youngest of five. Oh, youngest of five. Uh, I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but we're both Enneagram fours. Uh, both, uh, we both have a sister with a German shepherd named Gunner. <laughs> that's weird. Seriously, you guys. Doing all these weird things. Yeah. Well, I've heard about the Enneagram, and I do want to do it. But tell me a little bit about what a four means and what the Enneagram is for the listeners that don't know. Okay. If so you want. <laughs> this is, no, this is his, like, time to shine. He has been wanting to talk about this on a podcast oh, for so long. No, I'm, I'm so excited. Okay. No, I'll keep it brief. But basically, Enneagram, Ennea is nine, and Gram is figure or so it's a nine-sided figure it sounds kind of hocus pocus when you first hear it but it just means a nine-sided figure which basically breaks people down to nine personality types um and so like a brief run through would be a one is the reformer they're a perfectionist the two is the helper they get a lot of value from helping other people threes are achievers they love accomplishing tasks and getting goals done and being admired fours were the hopeless romantic kind of the start the starving artist and you know kind of the woe is me type um and then fives are the investigators. They're very analytical, data-driven. They love picking things apart. Typical kid that takes his computer apart and puts it back together again. Loves reading. Sixes are loyalists. They're very skittish of the world. They're very, like, scanning for the danger. Sevens are the enthusiasts. Woo, first person to call a shotgun. Let's go. Eights are challengers, very confrontational people. Um, and they kind of get their kicks from confrontation. And then nines are peacemakers, and they just like the internal ocean to be. So yeah, so you guys are fours, which is what again? The individualist, very yeah. A four will primarily get their sense of worth from how unique they can be. That's cool. Um, so you're both like kind of artists. Yeah, she's a writer. Film. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. So it's yeah. We like we're kind of we're probably not gonna ever be really rich, <laughs> but we would rather rather I do. Mean, what we want. I mean, <laughs> I. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about spiritual gifts is, like, because an Enneagram is a spiritual, like, personality test, right? Or am I wrong? Okay. Yeah, because I grew up studying social work, or at least that's what I chose to go to school for. So, like, I'm all about, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool to talk about personality types and why people are the way they are. And, yeah, yeah, and spiritual gifts, it's like, do you like to serve? Do you like to, you know, give or sing or preach I mean everybody is so different and I think it's cool too because we all learn differently too and our love languages 
mm-hmm. are different. So it's just a neat, unique thing that you're both like, heck yeah, the Enneagram. Yeah. Or at least Josiah sounds like yeah. well, sure yeah. No, even our therapist utilizes it in like our couples counseling and stuff like that. And again, you have to hold it loosely. It's not this rigid, put someone in a box. It's just right. some common and it doesn't more so deal with behavior, but more so the motivation behind the behavior is more what defines a type. And so it helps us like in our relationship understand since we're both fours, we can actually empathize with each other and be like, oh, she's going down a depressing hole because she took this one comment and turned it into this and her yeah. man with it, and, you know, or vice versa. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, the way I like to put it is it's, it's a low res image of someone. You can't possibly sure. account for the complexity of the human personality in, a, right. in nine, nine numbers. So it, it, it'd be stupid yeah. to say that, but it's just a helpful tool. All, you know, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a, just a tool. That's yeah, all. That was really, it, at first, that was actually the first thing that when I found out we were both fours, I was like, this isn't like, that's like the worst use it. You know, you're not just like combo people and type people and all the things, but I'm like, okay, there's no way. Like if I'm going down a dark hole, then what if you go down a dark hole? Then <laughs> who's going to pull us out? Like no one, this is bound to like, not work. Yeah. So yeah. Well, of course we like worked well, through that, you know. My fiance, when I told him you guys were going to be on today, he was like, I'm so sad I'm out of town. We talk about that a lot too, you know, just with my disability mm-hmm. and even, you know, health, health issues aside, like it's hard to be in a relationship. And as you guys know, in our society, like there are so many ugly things to get caught up in drinking, um, you know, not being committed to one another or just like, you know, I have a therapist too. And we talk a lot about like, um, a lot of the way re- we react underneath a lot of that is like based on fear. Cause I've told her like, Oh no, that's not because I'm fearful. It's just because he's annoying in this regard or whatever. <laughs> She's like, yeah, but you're annoyed because you're scared about this or your ego is scared about that. And it's like, I didn't think of it like that, but it is, it's so true. So like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Josiah, I kind of know a little bit about the things you struggled with, with as a teenager but yeah, if you guys don't mind, so you met at church, and I want to talk more about that too, but like, tell me a little bit about who you two were before you met each other, and like, what things you've had to overcome in your own mind, like, to get over, you know, because... Yeah, yeah, to get over maybe specifically in the context of it being able to go into a relationship, or... Well, and just being like the man and the woman you guys wanted to be as individuals, like how God saw you versus how you saw yourself. What what things negatively did you notice that like you knew you wanted to fix before you like married someone or Right, right. Um one thing that I think I'll go first because I'll probably be a little shorter. Ashlyn has maybe a little longer of a list just from some relationship drama, but um, I think one thing that I um, needed got started at the ranch actually because it just plucked me into my norm first time being away from home and falling in love with the mountains and then deciding not to leave and then um, but it was I think what, this, what he started was just he started the very process the first initial process of like actually making me a man you know like going from a boy to a man um, yeah. Um, so he had to start that and that was painful because at the ranch, you know, a lot of times, like the place that I felt the most, like I belonged anywhere, I still struggled with feeling like I didn't belong. Um, and that's actually typical Enneagram four 
thought process is is belong. I don't fit in anywhere. No one. I'm kind of weird and quirky. I'm not the puzzle piece. I'm like the extra puzzle piece that wasn't supposed to be a part of it. And so there was a lot of times when I'd be sitting in the office at the ranch and just like crying like a little baby because I just didn't feel like I belonged. Even though people were so accepting, it's like almost like I would separate myself. And so, yeah. um, And then I got really used to just being. separating myself from people and being introverted and working on my creative projects and working collaborating with people when I jumped into working at Red Rocks that was really heavy like transition like because that was like I was I was on a really tightly knit creative team and I got thrown into it and it was very like all of a sudden like I didn't I was was like I don't belong and I would be pouty and they had to have you know I was in my early 20s yeah and like you, you know Red Rocks is like the fourth fastest growing church in America. And it was just like, just exploding at the time and campuses opening up and you're making videos, thousands of people are watching and like, I'm 21, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, and so all this like, and I had a lot of anxiety at the time. Uh, But I got really used to just kind of like my own living life on my terms, making my decisions. No one was telling me what to do. No one was other than at work, but my personal life was my personal life. So I think the challenge of jumping into a relationship is, I, I, I dated a couple girls before, like just kind of while I was at Red Rocks and it would always get to a point where I would go, okay, it's gotten to the point where it's either my own personal preferences and freedom or this person. And I was like, I'm not ready to give up those things yet. So I can't continue to take you, <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's all but like, it's better than good staying in the relationship. And then yeah, no, absolutely. So wait, Josiah, was that because they you guys were just going two different ways or they like were more lazy or like what was unattractive uh for me uh since i was i kind of developed myself as like i've like lived on my own for like the past six years and um i think when someone's too clingy that's probably they're just there all the time kind of like that but she also likes her personal space so we can we can we work through it like sometimes i'm just like you can't be on me right now yeah Um, like like you wanted more independence than what those girls maybe were ready to do yeah yeah, just get to that point where i would say okay well here's the thing is either my like there's certain set of things that you have to sacrifice in order for a relationship to be healthy and i wasn't mature enough or ready to sacrifice those things yet. Um, and it's not like I ever got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready. It was like through the process of our relationship, slowly just being like, okay, all right, okay, all right. You know, and just slowly giving things away. Um, slowly. Was, was still, but still. <laughs> yeah, maintaining, very slowly. But still maintaining like my autonomy and stuff like that. Like I still need to go to the mountains and climb and, and hike and camp and stuff. And she understands that. And she can come camping yeah. with me. But because of her heart condition, she can't uh, like climb 14ers or anything like that. So. Right. So you guys just have to kind of modify where you go and what you do. Well, I think that's really cool that you guys are able to like do things together, but also be separate. Because sometimes people don't learn that for like 10 years of marriage. And then suddenly they're like, OK, I can't be home with the kids all day, every day and not be able to go do something I want to do. Like right. the fact that you guys are your own people with your own spiritual gifts. And although you have. The Enneagram is like a commonality. I think it's cool that you're both like in a mature place to get engaged and know that like it's what you want and not something you feel pressured into. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely. You? Um, <laughs> I think the the biggest thing, like I I grew up Catholic and so 
went to Catholic school my whole life till I was like from two to 18, graduated high school. And when I was 18, I met this guy who I didn't know at the time. Like I honestly growing up Catholic, like I didn't really know about Christianity. I didn't know there was a difference in the, because I just grew up going to church and then I stopped going to church when I was like 16. Um, and so I met this guy, he didn't go to my school and I just had noticed something was different about him and he had never like talked about Jesus. Like when I first started talking, but there was just something. And then I met his family and his family was so like welcoming. And then he brought me to church and then he like told me his testimony and he was like, this is my story. I'm like, what is all like, I'm so confused what is going on, but I know I'm interested. Like, yeah, I, I don't have, I, it was all about religion for me growing up. And so I met this guy and then gave my life to the Lord in Easter 2011 and um, changed obviously my whole like trajectory, totally pivot one way. Um, and we dated for six years, almost seven years. And at the time, like, I had gave my life to Christ and then I didn't have time to like have a relationship with him in that moment. It was just like, Oh, I'm in this now, but I'm in this relationship. And I was putting just cause childhood and all of that, all of my like worth and everything into this relationship and wanting it to work and trying so hard to make it work for so long and wanting marriage and wanting all of those things. But um, and it was so hard because that was the relationship that brought me to know the Lord. So I was like, oh, my gosh, of course this has to work. Like, we've been together for so long. I've been, like, sick on and off. So, of course, it has to, like, work. But God just wasn't allowing it. And um, towards the end of the relationship, like, it got really toxic and, like, drugs and alcohol and everything, like, involved. And I had to end up leaving um, and walking away and, like, that I was, how old was I? I think I was 24, 23. Wow. So you were, you were with him for like four or five years? Uh, for like six years. Whoa. Yeah. That's Ashlyn. That is not easy to walk away. Like yeah. you should give yourself some mad perks for being able to do that. Cause that is. Yeah. And I, it was on my birthday. It was just like, it was a wake up call. Like I went to this, 21 Savage, not great concert for my birthday. Did not want to go. I did not. Mumble rappers. uh, I like rap, but not mumble rap. Yeah. (laughs) But that night, like, I was alone for a moment, and I just, like, heard, like, God. Like, it wasn't, like, this, like, voice, but it was just, like, you don't belong here. And, like, I was drunk, and I was, like, wearing things, like, this dress I shouldn't have been wearing, and these boots, and all these things. And I was just, like, so felt so broken and so and this was almost seven years after I gave my life to the Lord so but I never had that real like relationship encounter so after that I was like I have to I can't I can't stay here so my like what I've had to learn is not putting my worth or my identity in my relationship because that has you know in my life, like my father figure, I emotionally don't have. Um, and so that's been absent. And then so I would always look to boys like in high school, I'd look to boys like yeah. for that love and that comfort. 
and then I found him and then I was like oh my gosh and then Jesus and then the whole thing yeah. and married and yeah like you thought it was going to be an easy present wrapped up with a bow yeah. like all right Ashlyn's made it to 18 now she's you know six years later like oh I can get married and it's like wait a minute God is not wanting this for me yeah I'm like so thankful that he spoke so clearly to you though because yeah it could have ended up so different Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. My life could have ended up so different if I didn't walk away. And I know it, like, wouldn't have – I mean, it, it was not easy, obviously. And so that's why I say when we met, it was two – a year – not even a year later. It was, like, four months after. And that's when I was like, no. I, I didn't even – yeah, I didn't even realize it was that close in mm-hmm. the timeline to when we met after that happened yeah it was really close so that's where I was kind of my blinders were just like yeah you were just not yeah you weren't open for business even for you know just dabbling in a possibility it's like nope I'm gonna work on me listen to God like see what comes so you didn't expect Josiah at all no and I didn't want to like I was kind of mad you know like just hurt and just at the same time though I was very like I was still very broken and putting like God had not healed my heart and I needed yeah. that. And I didn't know at the time that I needed the time, <laughs> but yeah. 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 I wasn't really like looking for anything either. I thought she was cute, but then it was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that like, I don't know. I was still kind of in that phase of like, I'm, I'm alone or I'm doing this by myself. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I don't just, want any more clingers. I'm going to hang out and wait. Yeah. It just took us a little bit to kind of like, just like warm up to each other and then like, Actually, like, I think our first official date was eating ice cream and watching Jurassic Park, which is... Yeah. That sounds like a great first date. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite movie of all time, so... Yeah. That's awesome. So, like, did it go off the hitch right away, or, like, how long were you guys friends before, like... Oh, man. You were actually, like, courting or, like, dating seriously? Yeah, so it's like, even, even after we started seeing each other, it's didn't get any easier. It got so much harder. <laughs> it got way worse. Um, yeah. No, but <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. We're getting married in two months. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Wait, when are you getting married? In two months. Nice. That's August, so exciting. Yeah. August 16. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we started seeing each other, and we didn't even like. Then she got an internship at Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh crap. We, like right when we started, yeah. I started like thinking that I liked him. I knew God was taking me, so like I had just like been sensing. So it, I was so, like, yeah. I was like, cool, you're wasting my time. And so she went out there, and then I went out to go see her. It was a four month internship, so I just timed it to be in the, right in the middle. Uh, so I came out two months later, asked her to be my girlfriend. Aww. He said yes. The next night, she broke up with me. Oh no! <laughs> I'm standing there in front yeah. of her condo where she lives, and I'm like, I'm like. She's like, once I once I realized what was happening, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up. And she goes, she goes, I know, me too. And I said, No, I'm really gonna throw up. And I walked over to the bushes and puked. <laughs> oh, you guys are so so. Ashlyn, where was your heart then? Like, why were you just weren't sure again? Because you were still. Yeah, I was just. It was fear. It was totally fear based, but I didn't know because when I like we hung out that night, we went to a concert, and there was just something in me that knew it wasn't the right time but also I was just like no like I just I can't do this I felt almost suffocated in a way yeah yeah I went to the restroom like I was there with my cousin because he lives in Charlotte and then Ben my cousin Ben jokingly says he goes he goes if you break his heart I'll kill you 
and, and that then, night she did. And that like I, and I was already thinking like I think I'm gonna have to. End yeah, up like it. yeah, it was just in the air. Like you guys yeah. knew you had to get through. Okay, so Josiah left, and you guys were broken yeah. up. Yep. And then I am. And then radio six, silence. Radio six months of nothing, and then wow. literally nothing. Like he emailed me one time, and I didn't email him back. Cause I. Wow. We went out to Charlotte to go meet with the Elevation creative team, our, our creative team, met yeah. their creative team, and we, you know, exchanged just ideas and how we run and operate. And then so I was in Charlotte seeing all the same places, going to the very same office that you worked in, in the creative wow. wing, and, like, all these things, and, like, seeing all these things over again, like, a few months later. And so I was just, like, so I emailed her, and then, like, she, did you respond? No. Nope. No, she didn't respond. <laughs> um, That's so anyway. crazy, though, Josiah, that your job took you to the same place, like, you were. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, because Red Rocks and Elevation, we kind of keep it work yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, we keep in touch, and we've hired some other people for things. And anyway, um, but I'm kind of burned on Mega Church now a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nothing against it, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so nothing, and then I'm in the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. Uh, we were shooting in Idaho at this random middle of nowhere old lava field and tunnels under this weird place to be anyway and i get a text from her and it was just like hey like i'm back or blah 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 i wanted to see if you could you know and so then we met up again and got like a drink or something like that and then went uh and then just at first i was just very like no 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 like, like i don't want to hear it mm-hmm. da, 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 i'm done then we slowly got back up to it and then i broke up with her yeah i broke up with her <laughs> and then we I got back together again mm-hmm. and then like, we broke up again mm-hmm. And then we go back together and now we're engaged. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and it's like you guys just had a lot of stuff to figure out, and that's okay. I'm yeah. happy that, like, God was forming you each as individuals before he really brought you together. I think it's hard for a lot of young Christians to, like, find good relationships and not let them get too fast, too quick, you know? Like, I admire you both for going at it as maturely as you knew at the time, even if you had to break up, like that's yeah unique. Yeah. And I think I really like, you think, I think the final like sobering point was the very last time we broke up and then it felt like part of you is like amputated. You're leaving a part out right now about this situation. We don't, surrounding need, that. To, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> he broke up with me the day after I had um, my second heart surgery of the year. Well, I did not go into that conversation intending to break up. Right. It right. just went that way. Yeah, it's like we're gonna have this conversation. Yeah, God's pull out of us whatever he needs. Like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. so talk about your heart surgeries now because yeah. people are probably like, "What? You're 27 yeah. and you've had how many heart surgeries?" Yeah, I. So I was. When I was 13, I was diagnosed. I was born with a rare heart disease. It's called Dannon's, like the yogurt. <laughs> um, Thank you, because I have to write it down. D-A-N-O-N. Um, and it's super, super rare. And I'm the youngest of five, like I said, and four out of the five of us have it. Um, and my mom has it. And my cousins, my nephews, uncle, four of my uncles have passed away from it. These are your mom's brothers. Mm-hmm. My mom's on my. So mom. when was she first diagnosed? Like how long has she been battling Dannon's? Um, since she was 39. So it was after she had all five of us. She yeah. she didn't know when she had all of us. Um, and then my brother, he's the oldest. He's 47. We're all from the same um, mom and dad. 
just yeah. really spread out. But he had a heart transplant when he was 22. And so he's had his for a long time. He still has the same one. He's not doing well. He's still here, but um, he's like in bed, can't see, can't, um, walk. can't walk, literally can't do anything. So Dannon basically, do you want to explain it scientifically? I was going to say, yeah. I like the science. Yeah. So basically it's, a gen it's on a genetic level. It's not necessarily just a heart disease. It man primarily manifests itself through the heart cardiomyopathy and irreg uh, irregular beats and whatnot, but it, um, it's a deficiency of there's not there's a gene that's not that they either are lacking in or don't have altogether that produces a protein called the LAMP2 protein, which is critical for heart development and muscle strength. So there's a whole other host of manifestations, but the heart thing is the primary thing. Primary sure. thing: enlarged heart, irregular beats, uh, thickening of the walls of the heart, um, vision loss, muscle weakness. In some instances, there's learning disabilities. Um, so How does it range from like the age in which you get it? Like why did Ashlyn's mom not yeah. know until she was in her late thirties, but then Ashlyn as a 13 year old girl had. Yeah. It just affects it was, everybody. Well, no, it was the, <clears throat> sorry. Um, they didn't know, <clears throat> like when my brother had a heart transplant, he had it at St. Luke's in Houston. And at the time they just thought he had HCM, just like an enlarged heart and needed, they didn't know it was Dannon. Until years later at the University of Colorado here, um, <clears throat> Dr. Taylor was doing research like on uh, lab rats and stuff for, I don't know for how long. And he's the one who like found this is wow. what it is. Um, and then, so that's when I was 13, my mom was 39 and we all went in and got tested. Wow. Um, my brother had, we were like, oh, well he had a heart transplant and he has it. So we need to check the rest of us. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of this like genetic thing, but <clears throat> it affects us all differently, which is it affects females versus males very differently. Yeah, I think for perspective, the average life expectancy of a male with the disease mm -hmm. is 19, and then the if average they life, don't get a heart transplant. if they don't get a heart transplant, if, they, if no treatment is done whatsoever, like heart ablations or the majority of our heart surgeries. It's, they're not open heart surgery. They'll make an incision either in her neck or in her groin area and go up through her artery with the little sure. just go around her heart and zzz, zzz, like zap certain muscles and that regulates the heartbeats. But those are sure. growing, those are growing increasingly, increasingly less effective. So um, no treatment done. A woman will average live to 34. So okay. very yeah, very kind of, so women fare much better than men, but it's it can it's still deadly yeah. regardless. So. Yeah. 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 Like I know it's hard, Ashlyn, to take yourself out of like your head and look at your situation from the outside, but I'm sure Josiah has been able to, and your friends have been able to give you like perspective how um, just inspiring it is to just have you like still hold yourself with enough grace to like know your worth and know who you are in God and just know who you are as an individual first and foremost and but how has that been like seeing because you're you're the youngest of five you said yeah so how has that been like seeing is your mom still with us she yeah she is she's actually currently on the um, heart transplant list and um, yeah like how long do people wait for something like that yeah there's like um and there's not a lot of people who have it so it's not this like like you know, 
disease where you can call someone or search yeah. somewhere and say, oh, oh, is there a support group for that? Like my sister, actually, she's um, she's going to, uh, I think she's 40. Hopefully she doesn't hear this. I think she's 40 or 41. But she's actually started like this Dannon group on Facebook um, because there was just, there isn't a thing. There literally There's is no community. Thing. Yeah. Well, even like, even in the medical field, even people at University of Colorado, the hospital where the doctor that discovered it is, they like some of the team, they're just like, what? And like, for instance, yeah. we, were, we were camping down by the great sand dunes uh, last year. Um, and she insisted on wanting to climb the sand dunes, which is 750 feet from base to summit. So I made sure she took it really slow. But yeah. she should have done that because she, she wasn't any any real danger, but she did overexert herself and her heart started beating very irregularly. And we were camping and we're 45 minutes from Alamosa, which is the closest town with a hospital. So we get in the Jeep and I get there in like 17 minutes because <laughs> I was going like 110. Uh, it's like wide open out there. It's a flat San Luis Valley. La oh, Rosa. yeah. And if you were to get pulled over, it would be like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not to get to the hospital. If you don't believe yeah. us, feel free to follow. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we got in there and then they, you know, gave her an IV and got her hydrated again and everything. But then the doctors were just like, what's it called? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, really? Nobody really knows about this. Yeah, it's like, and, you know, I don't know what you know about me, Ashlyn, too, but I had a spinal tumor and it was really rare. And it is, it's interesting with healthcare. It's like we can be so knowledgeable in some ways, but then totally oblivious like you could be sitting with a doctor and like looking at him in the face and like you can advocate for yourself better than he ever could because you know your situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what it's like. And that's what people always say. Like it's, it's a unique situation that it runs so much like in my family and a lot of us have it because we have each other to like literally today, my sister, the one who, her name is Kim. Um, she just texted me and was like, hey, the doctor said this, 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 and this. Um, and we're always just there to support each other, which is really great. Um, and we can understand to a certain extent. It's all I just told Josiah this today. I'm like, at the end of the day, no one knows how I feel except for God. And yeah. then second to that, my mom and my sister and then third to that, like Josiah, because he has like a lot of empathy towards it. Um, but yeah. these levels, I guess, where I can go to when I need it. But at the end of the day, it's always. And I used to say this, like, and I still believe it that I wouldn't. I I can't see myself like not having this disease. Like I couldn't picture it. Um, I know God, it's the whole like, well, why would God allow that? You know. Yeah of thing but if I didn't have it like I would not be so close to Jesus like at all like my relation like I wouldn't I would have no need for him number one I know like people always say that but it's so true and you probably know this like when you're in this impossible situation that you didn't ask for and they like and that's the other thing is I literally do everything that I can to be healthy like I am like yeah. super super healthy and yet things still keep happening. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of just like my faith obviously being tested a lot. But it, every single time it just brings me closer to my mm -hmm. relationship with God and like knowing him on another level. I had quiet time this morning and I was just crying like 
realizing just how far he's brought me through everything that I've been through. Like I'm still here. And even if like, I'm not healed, like what, and I've been wrestling with that. Like, what is, what does healing even mean? Like, why do we decide like, what does healing look like? Um, Because emotionally that was the big thing. Like he's given me this kind of metaphor of my heart is sick but everyone's heart is sick. Like, yeah. Metaphorically, our, like, our, we're all so sick. Our physical bodies aren't going to be here forever. And again, in our society, it's like, there's so many women and men both that are obsessed with how they look or, you know, again, but that's an issue of worth, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that you know that God has kind of brought you to this place of surrender is pretty amazing. I feel like I have so much to learn from you because my my disease or illness you know is still very new as of six years ago but it's like paralysis is so hard there's a level of surrender I have to do too day to day like I'm not going to be able to get the Tupperware out of the top of the cupboard until Tyler gets home so yeah (laughs) I'm just gonna deal with it but it's still annoying like yeah what what things do you struggle with most then I mean I know you said he can't heal you I mean, we, we know God could heal us, right? But yeah. he, he's choosing on, yeah, helping us be mentally surrendered first. So, like, what's been the hardest part for you, or has it kind of ebbed and flowed? Um, I think at first, like, when I found out when I was 13, like, I didn't have a relationship with God. So I just thought he was mad at me. Like, I just thought, like, religion, like, oh, you're just mad, like, I remember the day we like, I just remember sitting in this conference room and the doctors like had this big envelope and it was like, Oh my gosh, it's in there. Like I could not have it. I remember just praying like, God, please don't let it be like, please don't let it. Like, I don't want it. And they had said, um, cause it was me and two of my other sisters who got tested, um, at the time. And so they said that, um, was it? yeah, two out of the three of us had it. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I just hope I'm not that one. God, please don't let me be that, like, let me be that one that doesn't. Um, But it wasn't. And so I just kind of got mad at God. And then when I was 18, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can totally do this. It's me and you. Like, this has brought me closer to you. We can fight this thing. (laughs) We can do it. I'll be be strong. And that's when I started writing, too. Like, I started, like, blogging and kind of just – writing my emotions and throwing them up and not caring literally at all um, what other people would think. And it's helping people. And so I knew like, okay, this is, but then I kind of just went down that like toxic hole and kind of lost myself and um, my Mm -hmm. relationship with God. And so then he brought me back, like he brought me down to bring me back. Yeah. So when I came back, it was like, I, when I went out to North Carolina, we had this like night at this upper room church of healing. Like it was prayer for healing and it was on 416 and it was just this, like, I never had hands laid on me before and had hands laid on me. And I was out like in the spirit or whatever you want to say for like four hours probably. And all my friends were praying over me. Like the elder of the house came over and, called out the spirit of infirmity and it screeched out. Like I had never like experienced like my neck veins popped. And then I had this like vision time with Jesus and 
we were in the hospital room. Like I was out the whole time. Everyone was like, one of my friends said the Holy Spirit, like at the exact same time communicated it to them, but like said it separately because they both got up and they were like, what are you doing? They're like, they just, the Holy Spirit just told me to wash her hands. And he was like, oh, he just told me to wash her feet. So they were like washing my hands and feet and like praying. And um, I was in this hospital room. It was all white. It was like glowing super peaceful and I was wearing like a hospital gown but it was all white but I didn't have any wires or anything on me um and I was in the hospital bed and I looked over and like Jesus was right there next to me and I can like start crying thinking about it but his eyes were like so so blue like a color like in heaven that you can't even describe and he like he was like, dance with me. And Frank Sinatra started playing. Like, <laughs> Sinatra. And wow. we dancing in the hospital room together. And he just told me like, I'm, I've healed your heart. Like, I love you. I've healed your heart. And we were looking out this huge, the window. And he was like, you have to like, you have to go back and tell them how much I love them. Like telling like the people out there, like you have to tell them how much I love them. Like, I love you this much. Like I've healed your heart. And at the time, I had just broken up with Josiah like a month before, a month and a half. And so it was so much emotional stuff that I didn't realize I needed healing from my past and everything. And so I had that moment and I came back out of it the next, the whole next day. Like I was just like, Jesus healed my heart. Like I'm healed. Like I'm good. Like I'm not even sick anymore. I was had like a glaze kind of over my eyes the next day. Everyone was like, what is like, what's going on with you? But I was really like high on the Holy Spirit kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was so like kind of mm. him to do that. Yeah. Uh, bring me all the way. And I know that's why he brought me out to North Carolina, like to talk about my heart and give me this metaphor with one of my good friends. Um, her name is Anna and he like we were talking and she was like, God is telling me like you like you have this heart issue, but like it's in, like we were talking about earlier. It's like a problem with our hearts, like with people's hearts, like the irregular beats you have and the defibrillator and all the entanglement and the scarring and everything that just rep- can represent like people's insecurities and their fear and depression. And God wants to heal that. He wants to break that off. He doesn't like want us living with it. Mm -hmm. And so I just had this like big, like, oh my gosh, God's going to heal my heart. He's going to like, he healed it. And then I get home. I text Josiah. We start dating. I do. I do want to make a note to, I think like doctrinally what we're talking about, just, just cause I'm much more conservative. I'm a kind of conservative with the Mm -hmm. stuff, but we, that, that was a, we believe, I believe her story absolutely but i think it, you know, that, that that is a vision that god gave her oh yeah like absolutely sure. absolutely very real but like there's just like i know a lot of like that whole like oh i died and went to heaven thing and stuff yeah, like that no. and yet, like people don't go to heaven and come back no, no. it's not scriptural but we yeah. do we do believe it's a vision that yeah. god spoke to her through and, and gave her um yeah and he, he does that in scripture so so we know it's amazing that he yeah. was able to like provide peace that you needed i mean you know, every time we pray, we hope that we feel that kind of peace. So the fact that, like, he came to you in a very real way, and what great, wonderful friends to pray over you for four hours. Like, <laughs> what a blessing. It just gives me the chills. Like, yeah. three of them are bridesmaids in my wedding. So, it, well, they should be. No, <laughs> yeah, it's so great. So, like, yeah, you're saying. I just, 
But in my mind, I knew him. I couldn't put the pieces together because I was just so fixated on I. At first, I thought I could just fight this disease and I could do it. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's possibility I could be healed. Like, oh, my gosh. And then this happened. And I'm like, then now putting all my hope in the healing and physically being healed and not realizing the emotional work that God had been doing. So when I moved home, I thought things would get better with my heart, but things actually got like 10 times worse. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Patreon. Patreon gives creators of all kinds the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Support Push Diaries by subscribing to our Patreon page where you'll get exclusive content not found anywhere else. We just started a special series where me and my fiancé Tyler talk about life and how we push forward together. Just go to patreon.com, create a profile, and become a patron of Push Diaries Podcast and thousands of others. Thanks, and we'll talk again soon. And so I moved home from Wilmington and um, I, um, two months into dating, I had a stroke. Right? Yeah, About. I, was, I was in Austin, Texas and we were FaceTiming and she had a stroke on FaceTime and I'm a thousand miles away and I can't do anything. Were you by yourself? Yeah, that was December 2018. December 1st. December yeah. 1st. It was November 31st to December. 1st. Or she was at home with her parents, and so she had like. My mom hang, was home. She like yeah. she's just like she's just like I'm not okay, and then she like hangs up, and I'm like, well, wait, what? You know, like I'm like freaking out, can't get there, and so. Uh, but her mom came in, and they took her to the hospital. So. Yeah, and then I stayed in the hospital for like four days, and it was the last test, the last they decided to do an MRI because they were. I was like, I know this was not. Like, a, they were like, oh, maybe you just had a regular beats you're not used to. I'm like, no, no, no. I've felt those my whole life. This is something yeah. that was not the same. And so they finally did an MRI on the last day. And then I had, like, two clots in my brain. Um, so they're like, well, here's blood thinner for the rest of your life. And, um, well, so that happened. And then from that, it kind of sent my heart into a rhythm just from that trauma in a regular rhythm so then that was December January I had the first it's called an ablation I had the first one and then um I was doing okay still not doing well and then three months later I had another one and then that's when he broke up with me <laughs> and then <laughs> just pair that together we should laugh at it now yeah it's good to laugh at it um <laughs> And then when was it? And then in December or no, when when was it? November, Irre November sixteenth. Sixteen is a good number for us. What? Irrelevant. No, no, I'm talking about November sixteenth. Oh. Um, the last time. So just all these things kept happening. Like surgery kept being needed. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. I couldn't drive after the stroke for like um, two months. Um, couldn't do anything and then I was just getting better and then I would get sick again and my heart would start mm -hmm. up again. And so then in November, I 
had just worked out, nothing crazy. And I reached down to get um, like my laundry and I just, I didn't realize what had happened until ha- after a little bit. But my defib- I have a defibrillator, so it's like in my chest for those who don't know what that is. Clear. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> it, it like keeps your heartbeat regular, right? Um, no, that would be a pacemaker. A defibrillator is literally like the thing that the doctor like shocks your heart. Oh. Through, you know, and so okay. she has one implanted in. So oh, okay. Mine, mine can pace me, but they don't have it set right now to pace me, which is a good thing. But yes, that is. It, it's more because I passed out one time in 2011, which is when I got it placed, and so. Um, I, it went off when I say it went off, it went off as if I had passed out, but I hadn't passed out. I was literally just doing laundry. And so when it went off, I don't really know how else to describe it. Like, I mean, it's, it made me realize how powerful our hearts are and like that, just what's in it. I'm like, Oh my God. Like it felt like a bomb went off around me. That was kind of like my ears. But then in my chest, it was almost as if like a shotgun kind of thing, like kickback, but on like another level. Um, Mm -hmm. So it went off one time and then I clicked with me five seconds in probably. And I ran down, my parents were home. I was living at home, ran down like to the stairwell. And I was like, mom, like, cause my mom's defibrillator has gone off three times. So she knew what it was like. And so I was like, I I like screaming, like my defibrillator went off, like, and the only way to stop it is to get like this big magnet that we have. Um, And so I like scooted like literally on my butt downstairs. I was so afraid. And my dad was in the basement and he came running upstairs. My mom was on the phone with 911 trying to tell them, trying to find the magnet. And then my dad was like holding me on the floor and it went off again. And it was so like, there's no warning. There's no like, it's gonna go off again. Like it was just, and my dad was holding me and I was just in that moment, fear definitely, I thought I was like gonna die. Like I really thought, and I kept telling my dad, I was like, I don't wanna die. I don't wanna die, I don't wanna. And he's like, you're not going to, nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen, like you're okay. And then it went off again, like a third time. And I just like screamed. Um, And then my mom came downstairs with the magnet and we put it on (laughs) and went to the hospital and then ended up um, having another surgery ablation, but I stayed there for about a week because it was just the trauma from the shocks and everything. And I was across town on my way to a shoot. Yeah. And I just get a call. I'm like almost to the shoot location. And it's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, whoops. <laughs> uh, I just called him. I was like, hey, can't make it. Sorry, bye. You know? Like, yeah. 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 Not like you could focus anyway if you tried yeah. to go like – it was just a contract game because after I had stopped working at Red Rocks and the Red Rocks had hired me to do a video and I was there, they were cool. They got yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> did just, why did that happen, Ashlyn? Like, was that heart, just- yeah, basically I was having AFib, which they didn't know that I had, which is what caused the stroke and they didn't know what caused the stroke. So it made sense. It was literally a, almost a year later, like exactly. Wow. Found out. But so my heart went up at that first shock to 180 and then it went up to 190 and then it was like 210 and so and it was set at those settings to shock me gotcha um, so it was trying to re-regulate it thought it was trying to re-regulate it, well, I thought I was in it's called VTAC which is basically where it kills you and it you're passed out and that's the reason for it going off but it doesn't right. know the difference where Dang, that is so scary uh, it's called so an scary. inappropriate shock yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you just got like a 
you know, a handful of those. It's like, yeah. thank you for the inappropriate shocks. Yeah, thanks for the trauma. Like, leave me. That's what I was so frustrated with after the fact was really hard. Like, being mad at God. Like, you're really going to leave me here to deal with this? Like, I can get, I can live through that and the whole hospital thing. But then the aftermath of it, that's been, that has always been the hardest part of where there's no solution at the end of the tunnel right now. And God's not giving me that answer. Um, so it's kind of just like, a, okay, I'm going to get through this. And then that's when I found, thankfully, the therapist that I have. And then now we have. And it, so really good stuff has come from it. But in the beginning, it was just like, I don't even think I can be a human. Like I, it was in a really dark place. And that's when I, we kind of started talking about getting married um, this August. Um, and he, Josiah was like, get excited. Like we are going to get married. There is a future here. Like you're still here. It's going to happen. Um, but then he didn't propose till what, like seven months later. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for doing things when I'm ready to do them. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's been, uh, yeah. 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 So when you say you went to a dark place, Ashlyn, for the listeners that like have not ever had any health issues, yeah. like were you just questioning your worth again or you just felt like God had let you down or were you just in a depression that you couldn't shake? Like what, what was it that was, it was so like, paralyzing? It was just this like heaviness because in the hospital, we had, I had this, and I had to call one of my friends who was at that night on 416 to pray. Her name is Janae. And I had to call her to pray. Um, Cause when she prays, like the spiritual world is listening <laughs> and yeah. it's really powerful. And so, but at the time I remember being in the bed and just feeling like chains were just like locked over my arms was it when and I was my legs. There with you too? Yeah. With you. There was just like you could just like feel like not like not physical death, but like that that atmosphere of like spiritual death of hopelessness of like I don't know how long this like how much longer she has to live you know kind of thing. Yeah. Like like this like it's almost like you guys felt a surrender of like being completely out of control, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. In the presence of death like that's a scary place to be yeah yeah so that yeah. was that was a very and then, like physically sorry like but like physically feeling like the shackle like I literally felt like cement was just like I was stuck and I so we called Janae and she prayed and it ended up lifting but then I went home and it just kind of it wasn't as heavy but it was just kind of like lingering and I think when you're in a place of like oh my gosh, this keeps happening and this keeps happening and this keeps happening and this keeps happening. You begin to think like, okay, is this all there is? And so I think in my mind, I just was having a hard time because it was the biggest event, I guess. And I thought the stroke was good enough. I was like, all right, I'm solid for a couple of years. Like, <laughs> let's let the trauma settle down and then I'll deal with the next trauma. But it was like back to back to back to back. And so... I think that's what got me down the most of the like, okay, this is how my life is going to be kind of thoughts um, and not really knowing what the future holds and being afraid of if I walk up a flight of stairs, like I was so fearful of stairs for like 
weeks and we like yeah. months like I would like go up on my butt for like a week and then I'd go up like on my feet but then go up three stairs and then sit down and then like not wanting to race my heart at all um so it's just been like a, a I guess a fight obviously it's a fight but it's when you're sick it's like it's not my strength that's getting me out of it and that's what I've learned like it's all like God is in like I he always said like I've begged God to take it away like the thorn in my side like I've begged him and he hasn't and so I'm trying to find you try to find the balance of okay you're so sick God does want to heal people but he doesn't heal all people it says that Mm -hmm. Um, like in Mark what is it Mark I think we I think people often like set them you know we have the sense in us that the world is not supposed to be this way because God didn't originally design it to be this way. Um, but on the same token, uh, and you can edit this if you disagree with it theologically or whatever. Oh, but no, I'm not going to edit out your opinions. I want them. So, but, you know, I just I have the conviction that we start from the wrong assumption. Uh, and that assumption is that God owes us something. Oh, yeah. And. And so you're when you start off with the wrong assumption, then when things go wrong, then you get angry or disappointed or whatever the resulting emotion is. But when you can come from the point like, okay, actually, he doesn't owe me a breath. So every time I breathe, his grace is is um, is a gift from him. Yeah. Then when, then when things come, it's kind of like, okay, all right, you know, it's a challenge. But um, yeah, I, I think that like you know a lot of like charismatic like optimistic. Uh, denominations may kind of be more like, you know, God, you, you deserve this. And we declare this and we speak this into existence. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, I'm all about being bold, but at the same time, understanding, like, I don't know. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but no, it's more so starting with that correct assumption of like, I'm not owed anything. So everything is a gift from here on. Yeah. Um, as opposed to starting from, I, I deserve this and then not getting it. And then, then, where you're left is despair yeah. most likely. So, yeah, it's Mark one, um, 29 through 34 is like the whole story, but the title of it is Jesus heals many. Um, but it says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus, all the sick and demon possessed the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. But it says like, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick and demon possessed, and but then it says, and Jesus healed many. So I don't know. It's like he brought them all, but he didn't heal. They brought them all, but he didn't heal them all. Yeah. And am I okay? And God's been, I've been wrestling with it. Am I okay if God doesn't heal? Like what? Like heaven, yes, for sure. But here, like what is, so that's what going back to what I was saying, like in the very beginning, what does healing mean? Emotionally, He's got me. Like, it's so yeah. There's a C.S. Lewis quote, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I think I'm going to get pretty close to it, but it's, it's big words because it's C.S. Lewis. But yeah. in the weight of glory, he says, if a, if a trans-temporal, trans-finite dest- is, is our ultimate, or reality is our ultimate destiny, then anything else that we set our hope upon must be to some degree fallacious, which is a very big way of saying, if heaven is the goal and the end goal and 10,000 years from now, you're going to look back on this blip. Um, anything you put your hope in 
that's physical and that's going to pass away is, is a fallacy and it's going to, it's going to rob you of joy. So, um, so yeah, it's really hard for our natural minds to make that leap or grow to that level to where we can look at eternity versus now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. I've been forced cause I have very debilitating anxiety and a lot of it centers around. It's so funny cause like she's the sick one, but I have these like hypochondriatic anxiety attacks where I think, I have lung cancer. I think I have multiple sclerosis. I think I'm going to die of a brain tumor. You know, like all these crazy things. I've had MRIs and gone to the ER and all these things because I freak out and they're just like, well, fine. And <laughs> Josiah, you know that like there is sickness around you, like not even Ashlyn, but just like people, mm-hmm. like there's sickness all around you. And I almost feel like it's a level of like um, enlightenment that you like know that that's a possibility. Granted, we don't want you to like obsess over it and make yourself sick, yeah. but I, yeah, I think because in those anxiety episodes, it's 100% my reality. It's like, like, yeah, you believe it's true, right? So, almost to an extent, it's like I can empathize with the fear, but then I know that eventually I'm going to come out of that and be fine, right? You know? But for her, she's not necessarily going to. So it's like, but I think God has kind of given me that. I remember the first time we met, we were eating crepes from a cart in Breckenridge, Colorado. And we were just sitting there and it was like nine. We'd been with a few friends and I was eating a savory club crepe. And uh, (laughs) oh, it's so good. This place is called Ala Crepes. It's in Breckenridge on the main street if you're ever there. Anyway, um, um. I was sitting there and I, I would I would just gotten done with doing all my like the, I had two MRIs and the doc you know my anxiety got so bad I was manifesting the symptoms of the thing that I was afraid of I was oh. having tingling sensations in my legs muscle weakness on the left side of my body like all this weird stuff it was all the anxiety so I got my MRIs and then they called me back and they're just like yeah you're actually really neurologically stable everything's fine you know we were looking for ALS or MS or something like that and they're like you're fine um, I was like cool uh, so then we had this that's when we, the first time we had hung out was like right after that. And I felt like God had kind of spoken something to me, like, like those episodes, I've given you those episodes to be able to understand, to, wow. be able, to be able to like empathize, even though I'm fine, but the, no, knowing the feeling, of yeah. knowing the fear, yeah. knowing the reality of like, I think I'm going to die kind of thing. So I remember him saying that first night we hung out and I was like, I don't even know anything about this girl. Like, like, you know, I didn't know we we're going to get date and get engaged and eventually get married. But but he just said, like, I gave you that. i given you these episodes so you know the fear. Yeah. Um, so you can empathize. Yeah. 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 What is surrender to you now, both of you guys, if you could answer that? Like, what does surrender mean to you? Uh, just generally. <laughs> well, and definitely spiritually. Like, how have you, how has God let you know that it's okay to surrender? Or is it still hard every time? Like, I think you're always on a on a there's always going to be a, a fight or a battle to actually make the decision. But I think it's just like for me, the hardest thing is like my own personal space and my personal preferences and just swallowing it and realizing like like that's part of getting married is like dying yeah. yourself. Ashlyn is a very trustworthy counterpart. You know, you guys are both spiritual people and you want to create a union that's based on you know love and christ and i think that's the key but it is it's surrender so hard like not having control is so tough yeah because i uh, 
I'm working through kind of like like sort of a transition of because I used to be pretty like like relatively passive. I didn't really want to engage in conflict too much because not that I didn't like necessarily like it was just kind of like it burned a lot of energy for me. Like I have a very low social energy tank, and so it just burned a lot of energy. And I didn't have that to spend. Um, but I think recently I've allowed myself to just be a little more. Um, I don't know, upfront and confrontational and say what I'm thinking and like stand up for things that I'm, I'm feeling. Um, Good for you. Cause that's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, it was like, to, <laughs> like today our apartment complex stuck a big fat sticker like this big on my driver's side window that said like, you don't have your parking sticker on for the apartment complex, blah, blah. So I start trying to peel it off and it doesn't come off. I got really angry because you borderline vandalized my car over a sticker. Yeah. And so I go into the office and I was just like, I was like, I wasn't mean. I was just, but I just, I normally wouldn't have done this, but I was, I was like, I was like, Hey, I understand. I didn't put the sticker on. Just it's something in mind. I'm sorry, but um, you like, you can't put a sticker the size of a normal size piece of paper on my car on a driver's side window that causes safety issues for my visibility when I'm driving and I can't get it off. And she's like, well, you probably need a scraper. I'm like, you need a scraper. So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, I didn't do that. And you also need to provide all your tenants with Gooby gone because it's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just, but that's just a very, like a microcosm of just kind of like, I wouldn't have ever said anything. I just would have, like taken it lying down, but I'm just yeah. like, no. like, no, you don't basically vandalize my car, even though my car is a piece of junk. It's an old Jeep, but like, Still, like, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't have just like a ticket under your, I mean, yeah, I said, it, put, put something under yeah. my windshield wiper, like, it's anything, you know, right? It's literally this big, it's like four index <laughs> cards big. Good. Oh, yeah, that would that would tick me off, too. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, but what, what was like, I totally forgot where I was going with all that, but <laughs> but standing up for myself a little bit more and learning the balance between when do I need to not confront and be super be mean or anything like that, but when do I need to do that? Um, so it's actually more so kind of the, uh, in some ways the opposite of surrender. Like I have like, I do, I feel like, I feel like I've learned that I have some like authority issues now. <laughs> like I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like being constrained or put in a box. This is where I was going with it. Mm-hmm. And so getting into a relationship, sometimes you feel like that person's putting expectations and limitations on you. And I'm like, yeah, so there's some things where I'm not going to budge. Like I'm going to keep going camping. I'm going to keep hiking. I need like, and she knows that I need those things, but at the same time, yeah. where, where's the line where like it's okay to surrender to her preference versus where I need to do something for my own good. Right. Well, and you guys just keep communicating and praying about that. And I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to make it through just fine. I mean, not without a little trouble, but yeah. we all go through it. Right. So yeah, I what think about you, Ashlyn? Oh, sorry, Josiah. No, I just say we're, we're solving a lot of problems before marriage right now. But the, with how, we have a counselor that we both see individually and see as a couple. Same That's issue. huge. Same. Yeah. And so, like, since January. Yeah, so we're just. Good for you guys. Hopefully working out all the kinks. So. Well, yeah. Yeah, I would not be. And we only found her because of, <clears throat> excuse me, my defibrillator going off. Like wow. the shocks and everything. Like I mm-hmm. didn't and so, get into counseling until that happened, and then yeah, and she was she a, started counseling. She him. specifically, uh, she has a specialty in PTSD, but also all sorts of things. She's just yeah. a Christian. Yeah. 
counseling. So it's so. great. Yeah. Yeah. What What does that look like then? The counseling part. I mean, because you guys, for people our age, it's pretty rare that people go to counseling, or at least this yeah. is the age they would start considering it. Can you talk a little bit about, yeah, prayer counseling? I mean, yeah. What What would you recommend people try out if they're really stuck in a tough spot? Well, there is not a person on the face of the planet that doesn't need some form of therapy or counseling. So people are like, like I, we told my friends, like, yeah, we're going to come to counseling. And they're like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Just, uh, what? Like, yeah, we just, we're, we're screwed up and we need, we need help like meshing and like learning how to be a couple, you know, it's like, there is some of that stigma, but like, that's, that's too good. I've never even thought that was, a, I'm just like, I don't care. I'm, yeah, I'm, me too. I'm confused. I, like, I feel like it's good that we're empathetic and we need to talk about our feelings. I feel like that's a positive, not a negative. But again, that's like a societal expectation to like swallow your problems and don't talk about them. And you have to like Ashlyn, especially in your case, like you have to talk about your health and you have to talk about that PTSD because that's not something you can bottle up on your own. Yeah. And that's where I like, when I, I first got into counseling, I should have gotten into counseling when I was 13, but I didn't. My, my Like, my parents didn't grow up. They didn't know. Counseling yeah. should start at 12 and go until you die. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Like, part of the school system. like be, But, um, yeah, so it was, like, after the stroke, I had I found one counselor, and I saw her for, like, three months and started working through things, and then I kind of stopped, and then all this stuff started happening, and then, the shocks happened and that's when I found um, our therapist and like she one I saw her probably like three or four times um, before we saw her together and once we saw her together she was just like it's just crazy because most like we're saying like most people don't go to counseling and then if you want to like narrow it down even more males are like okay no like, yeah. you know, um, but then males who are in a relationship with someone like he's just he was just he's just been my boyfriend during counseling. Like, it's not like we were engaged. We weren't like we had talked about like, yeah, we're going to get married in August. Like, but that was just. But I had already been in counseling at Red Rocks for the I know, few but, years prior. So. But I mean, yeah, I guess. But I mean, being OK with sitting down with your girlfriend. Yeah, that's a rarity, Josiah. Yeah, like I was so uh. thankful so um, rare it is though like it's not it's not something all, like our all of our friends do like you said there's a stigma out there but mm-hmm. it's a lot better than us like being in our bad habits and fighting on our own right like behind yeah. closed doors and being caught up in how you react or yeah just the self-worth thing again it's like swirling thoughts questioning yourself questioning your partner like those are all normal things, but it's how we react to them, you know, praying about it, being open with our therapists about, you know, like I grew up with a co- lot of codependency issues, you know, where I want to please my mom and I want to please my sister and I want to do a good job at this and that. And it's like, but why, you know, like why? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. I totally get that. Um, I, that's funny. This is like, I'm the opposite. Like when I find out that someone has an expectation on me, I'm like, please. <laughs> yeah. All I do is like, like I always feel like, like I, feel, I know I'm consciously, I know I'm not, but I've always felt like I'm like a, in some ways like a disappointment to my family, like or like my dad because I just think differently, and you know he's an older yeah. generation conservative man, and 
I'm the liberal son that ran off to Colorado when I'm not liberal at all. Right. <laughs> most, most liberals would be like, you're super conservative. Most conservatives are like, you're super liberal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but, you know, I just, we challenge each other on things. And I, so I've always kind of like felt like I have been kind of a dis, like a disappointment in a way, but I almost like lean into that. I'm like, fine. Think it. Yeah. You know, like, so, so I'm like, well, now you realize it's a strength, right? Like, aren't you so thankful that God has made you the way that you are so that you're not so easily, I don't know, pressured by other people and live a life of someone else when it's not even what you want? Yeah, I'm okay with upsetting people, I guess, you know, like in a, in a healthy way, not like intentionally setting out to upset yeah. people. Yeah. It's kind of like, can... like, look, you're going to feel, you're going to feel, I just, sorry. Just yeah. <laughs> you know. You can like, respectfully <laughs> disagree. Normal too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with her, like, you know, like she wants me to do something or some, I don't know. And I'm just, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to do that right now. And like she gets upset about it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Get upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a huge step that you guys aren't like falling I, into a screaming match or. Yeah. yeah. And our, I'm our, moving our, out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Our, our fights are not loud. They're very quiet. Huh? Well, kind of, but it's so underneath. Yeah. It's so underneath the surface. It's like a smoldering anger <laughs> that we just we just sit on the couch and we're like, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, we'll um, talk about this in therapy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But Basically. like, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, I just don't ever, like, we don't want to have a relationship where we're creating ultimatums or Mm -hmm. if you don't do this, then, you know, when we're married, like, if you don't do this, no sex, you know, like, you know, I'd be like, fine, I don't even need that. I went 26 years with that, you know? Right, right, yeah. Um, Yeah, that that unhealthy give and take, like, we don't want that. And so that sometimes just takes the man being able to, like, and, and the woman as well, but, like, just staying firm and being like, I mean, like, look, this is the, this is the decision that I'm making. If it ends up being the wrong decision, I'll admit to it and we'll move on. But I need to do this, you know. Yeah. Um, like we had a really big argument over me going out to Moab for something, and I just was like, nope, I'm going, <laughs> you know. And that was it was bad timing. She wasn't feeling good, but I did have to call her therapist and be like, hey, I feel like person to swear on my podcast and I can take it out if you want <laughs> I don't care I don't care if people I just don't oh know. good but I'm gonna leave it perfect <laughs> um yeah I was like I was like I feel really bad and blah blah and she was like well no like sometimes it's you know it's it's always a balance but yeah and the same thing for her you know if she needs to do something for her then it's like okay. do it. yeah. yeah yeah I think with being sick that's where it like i the things I want to do for me, I always, I, sometimes it's like, I can't, like I physically can't like, and then I, and that's what I've been working through. I've been working through like jealousy of he gets to go do these things and I have to stay here. And yeah. the, and so I've been working with our therapist, like what, what can I do with what I have, with how good I feel and where can I go and what can I do to give me the peace that I need, even if I can't, because I'm a beach person. Like I love, being by the water, it's like where I feel like God's presence, like at the highest. Yeah. Um, it's just my place. And he is a mountain person. And so obviously we live in Colorado, so it's super easy for him to just go. And then for me, I'm like, there's no body of water. I'm trapped. And so, and I'm sick and just all these things. 
but working through that. And I think the biggest thing I'm just so thankful to kind of like being sick, like I am thankful for it and I'm thankful for all of the trouble, all of the like hardship that we had in our relationship for the first, I don't know, like year. Um, yeah. Because I, and I've always felt like God has been using all those things to prepare us for marriage. Like we, we were like on a fast track, <laughs> like what we've been through with my health and with our, just everything mm-hmm. most married people don't go through, you know, years, if ever. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking to the phone with my dad one time while she was in the hospital, she was having surgery or something like that. And I remember like crying on the phone talking to my dad and being like, I'm not supposed to be dealing with this in my twenties. No. Like, like, you know, yeah. this is like, this should be like seventies, eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I, think I'm pretty stubborn and so God needed to have someone that was gonna work me yeah. <laughs> work me at yeah. work me over to get me to to yeah. So He uh, didn't want an ordinary wife for you. He wanted a gal who could teach you a few things yeah. about life. Yeah. And you know, Josiah, even if you live a longer life than Ashlyn, these these things that you two are working through and understanding, like they're gonna be with you forever, you know? She's, yeah, I mean, she's super distracted by your dog. Sorry, I just saw your dog. I Is she pouting at me? She is so cute. Oh, my gosh. Is she a golden? Yeah, she's a service dog. She's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I am looking for a golden service dog. If you know anyone, anywhere, I will drive. I will fly. I literally have been on the computer. Everyone is sold out of golden retrievers everywhere. I can't Helping Paws in Minneapolis or St. Paul, Hopkins, okay. Hopkins, Minnesota. Okay. Um, I, that's where I got her. The only thing that kind of sucks is you have to do like a two-week training with your dog there in Minnesota. Gotcha. But like you could apply and spend like $300 and they would provide it. Oh, my no. God. Totally. She's like, I know you want me, right? Like yeah. you want a dog like me. Uh. She's pretty great. Wow. Wow. Um, but yeah, how would you then describe surrender, Ashlyn? I know you've talked a little bit about it, but I want to know yeah. what that means to you. Um, I think like, I guess in two areas, I remember the first, the first thing that came to my mind was surrender, like with our relationship stuff. Um, it was a few days before one of the times that Josiah and I broke up. He <laughs> was together. telling, yeah, they all blend together. <laughs> he was telling me, I don't really remember what I was just crying, I think, and just like having a really tough time. And uh, I'm like, I don't know, like, what are, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing if we're not going to be together? I don't understand. And he just reminded me of the story of um, Abraham and Isaac, and he was like, he brings his son like all the way to the mountain, and it's not until like Abraham's hand like is in the air with the knife that God says don't do it and so and then literally two days later we broke up and I'm like okay God you're real like that was when surrender was just like am I willing to put this relationship and give it up and completely let it go um and sacrifice it at in its entirety not just like oh like yeah we're just broken up but we'll get back together but really just letting it go um and so that was so, so hard in the moment, but I'm so thankful for it because I'm like, 
if I wouldn't have learned, like, it's not my relationship. And like, God has given us like this gift of each other and what we have together, but learning how to, like, it's hard. Like, it's so hard to just stack, like, like, okay, God, like, but then I think I just, he just kind of like moved in my heart and reminded me that like, and it goes back to the identity thing and worth thing. Like my relationship isn't everything. It's just like a bonus to what life is and like what God has given me. And so with Josiah, like it's not everything. So why can't like everything's God's anyways. So why can't I just give it back to him and trust? And that was the heart of the trusting and surrendering and not knowing um, with our relationship. But then the like health side of things that has been like way more difficult. I think at first it wasn't. And then it got harder as things kept happening. Yeah. Um, Cause I felt like I had surrendered and everything was great. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to get healed. And then no, this is going to happen. You're going to have a stroke and like all this trauma is going to happen. And so I'm literally right now, like in the middle of, surrendering like my physical heart because emotionally god has he's got me i'm just like i'm his we're one and the same and it's amazing um i just feel his presence so tangibly i wrote today like i keep searching for answers and yet you don't what did i say i keep searching for answers but um i can't find them because you just keep giving me your peace instead and something like that um it's like I want all these like I want to know what's next I want to know how I can feel better I want to know all of these things and God's just like no like here's my peace like here yeah. it is and like I sit down at like our kitchen table and I I just feel him like I feel his presence and I start crying and I also wrote like I feel like when I cry it opens the door to like having a moment with God in the room and feeling yeah. him there and I, people, he always makes fun of me for crying, so I cry all the time. <laughs> well, a couple times a day, probably. Yeah, it's great. And but I. That's a four. I think that's more. <laughs> each time I cry, now that I'm thinking about it, like I'm a um, verbal processor, so I'm thinking about it. I think when I cry about and like kind of like grieve over it and think about it and I'm feeling about it, it's like. I'm surrendering more and more every time I'm crying uh, over how much it hurts, over how much I've been through, over the hope that I do have for the future of whatever it is, because I, God obviously has a plan. I'm like, yo, I know you did not just keep me here to like do this and then that's it. And then like, no, like, yeah, I, I I love what you said about God sometimes just gives you peace and not the answers because mm-hmm. again, people listening might not have any idea what it's like to be you or go through the challenges you have um, either individually or as a couple, but like you've been able to get through it with God's peace and we all worry, right? We all worry and obsess and fear over X, Y, and Z. And it's amazing that he came back to you and was like, no, but you're loved and here's my peace. Like that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been learning. Like it doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters. Like it's just his peace. Like all that matters is like people knowing how much he loves them and how much peace they can experience from that love. If they would just accept it and surrender and, you know, say I did this wrong and here I am and I'm flawed. But 
and my heart is messed up like emotionally but here I am and like that's ever like it can change your whole life like it's changed yeah. my entire life yeah. yeah like I would I would way rather being in like a crazy scenario and then have peace than things be stagnant and then be anxious or stressed like 100 percent you know kind of a metaphor is like you know uh, last week I climbed a 14er and we got to the ridge line and we're at probably 13,000 feet. The sun has just risen and we get up there and there's a ridge effects wind where all the wind kind of gets funneled up over the top of the ridge. And it was like 60 mile an hour gust right at the ridge. And we're just like, you know, just walking through it. And it's just like intense. We had to get to a windbreak and you're like cold, and, but like totally at peace. Yeah. And and then it's, then it's just fun. <laughs> then it's just like yeah. the side of a mountain and you're like, oh, this is like, this is the most beautiful thing. And it's a crazy scenario and that mountain can kill you if it wants to. That yeah. weather can kill you if it wants to. It can blow you off the ledge. You could fall. You could die. All these things. We weren't in a place where we were going to fall, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but, you know, there, there's risk and there's threat and there's danger uh, and it's chaotic. But, like, that's where I find a rest and a peace and you get a natural endorphin high when you're climbing and, and all this oh, kind of yeah. stuff. You're like, okay, like this is, I want to stay right here. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I would rather that than, you know, be sitting in my room and I'm anxious and stressed out about something. Yeah. So it, but that more metaphorical connection of just like mm-hmm. peace and chaos versus angst in yeah. illness. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know when I saw it. I'm talking about the video that you did, Josiah, with Ashlyn and her brother. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Can you guys just share like what made you want to do it? Um, and yeah, can we put it on your page for people to see? Maybe that's too sure. intimate. I mean, yeah, it's, why- it's public on Vimeo, so that's- it's on my Instagram, on my like IGTV. Yeah, I think that. <clears throat> We, we've been in a, we've been in acting classes for I've been in for two years and she's been in for almost a year really really great acting studio here in Denver um, just because I wanted to learn how to direct people better I didn't want to act uh, but anyway um, we had made that video and posted it and I think part of the reason we did it was because we wanted we don't know how much time we have with Brian you know uh, my brother's name is Brian yeah we don't know yeah. we, um, we, we don't know that's what he says in the video he's like you know I could die in time um, and he's come, come to terms with that, but we just don't know. And so we were like, well, we, we want to be able to get his perspective on all of this before anything goes wrong. And I have the camera with me right now. And so went in there and did that. And, and then my act teacher comes up and he's like, he's like, Hey, like I watched this video that you did on your Vimeo. And then like the link next video was with Ashlyn and her brother. And he's like, he's like, I felt like I, it felt so intimate. I wasn't it didn't feel like I was allowed to I be wasn't there. invited, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, but I like as a filmmaker, like that's what I want to do actually. I want to like insert people into those scenarios where they're like, oh man, like, like you know, it, because, you know, I mean, and it's intentional, you know, I shot on 35 millimeters because that's roughly what the human eye sees. Um, and so roughly. You I mean, did, you guys, it was beautiful. Like I so- have seen your videography work from a way different, you know, perspective, like at the ranch, People yeah. riding horses, like kids laughing and having fun, and it was it was very intimate. I felt the same way, but it was so powerful. Like, how could someone not feel for you guys? You know. Well, and that was that. You know, that video was like cheating because it's just the content is like right there. So. Yeah, it's, and it's like every day for you guys. I mean. Right. Right. So. We're, acting. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's actually been a really helpful form of therapy too. Uh, acting classes because it forces you to kind of look inside of yourself a lot. Oh, it's the best. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so like, you, like I, every class. I love it because it's just like every scene that I've gotten, I can pull like our acting teacher if we're not up there, and he's like, imagine yourself in a situation where have you ever felt this way about this situation? And some people get up there and they're like, no, like I'm like, I felt that like. Before I got Last in. Last week, yeah. Or right before I walked in. So yeah. I feel like maybe I could benefit from something like that. It's almost like creating a safe place for you to dramatize and practice those emotions that are otherwise uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. You know, yeah, my heart pounds every time. But, the, you know, it's fun once you get in there. You use that anxiety, that little, like, that fear before you get up. It's like right before a football game. And you're just kind of like, oh, but then a football game. The thing you do is right at kickoff, you run down, and you just hit the first person as hard as you can. Then your 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 anxiety's gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, here we go, we're in. You know, so that's yeah. kind of like what it's like with the scene. You get up, you get those first few lines out, you land a couple punches, and then you're like, okay, cool, we're rolling. You know. Um, but I got a Wolf of Wall Street scene <laughs> that I'm out to. Yeah. Playing Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's just it's fun. It's it's yeah. helped me expand and understand my knowledge of storytelling. Like, I like at the ranch. Totally honestly. I had no idea what storytelling was. I was just stitching clips together, really. I mean, well, they and, were fun. You throw a fun song in the background of that, it's like, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you have everyone has an intuition for story, so you kind of get close, but like, right. I didn't really know like story structure or anything like that. So just getting to the point where like I really understand that. I understood the overall arc of story, how it, you know, the main, the five point story structure, but then it got into like, we're getting off topic, but, but, but then, you know, acting really helped me understand that moment by moment decision of a character. And, and when you're writing a script, yeah. that, how do you make someone, you know, uh, how, how do you move a scene forward and that kind of stuff? So that's been beneficial. But anyway, yeah. all that to say yeah. is. Yeah. But it, it, I think like with what you're saying, like if it would help you, I, the reason I did it, like he had been in it for six months. Then I had the stroke in December and then after I like he had been saying like probably a month before he was like you should like do it I think you would really like it and then I was like no no I'm way too afraid of that way self-conscious yeah. no it's not happening and then after the stroke like a month and a half later I was like you know what like this is my step out of the darkness like I don't know what else to do because I was really depressed like really struggling and like I don't know the next thing I can't work I can't drive I can't do anything but this is where I feel like God, like he was pushing me in a good way to do it. And that's what he's always done. Like God has used him to bring out who I really am and what I'm really good at, even despite my sickness. Um, and so it's like, no, you should try this. And I tried it and I'm like, I just, it feels like maybe my pain isn't a waste, you know, like everything I've struggled with, if I can connect that through the screen, through a fictional character or nonfiction, whatever that someone writes, if I can use my emotions from the pain I've been through and articulate that and help someone feel something, it's like, that, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. What do you think? Do you think about your like legacy, Ashlyn? I, yeah. <laughs> I think I want people. Hmm. Maybe that's a hard question. It's a really hard question, but like I think just in general, kind of 
Like, I want people to know how much God loves them despite how much pain and suffering that comes with life. Yeah. Like, that's what I want, like, people to, like, me to die and then to be like, oh, that's what she stood for. That's what she, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously, that's very, like, general and probably not the No, great. but, I mean, you're a writer. It makes sense. Like, you yeah. want people to know that God loves them and you want – like that video that Josiah took of you and your brother, like it's pretty amazing that that's going to be on the internet for, you know, as long as the internet's on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that, like, I think the biggest thing is that like God is still good despite the pain. Like that's kind of general, but it's so true. And so many people who don't have a health struggle and you probably know this, like when they have a painful experience emotionally, it's like they freak out and it's the worst thing in the world. And it's like, Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, bro, you don't even know. (laughs) There's so much like you, it'll be okay. Number one, like it will, you will be okay. And there's so much more that could be going wrong, but like you're still here and God still like sees you and loves you. And there's so much more to them just, just your pain and life can be really good even if the pain still is there like Mm -hmm. it can still be really good even if the pain is present his peace is just as equally if not more um on top of it so yeah I totally agree with you yeah Yeah. well is there anything else you guys want to share like anything that's been on your heart today uh I mean I think just like I mean go like going forward like her health stuff we're going to be like kind of working on like I'm going to be working on like documenting the whole thing and making yeah. hopefully it probably take a few years so I can't be like yeah next that's, month. that's awesome Josiah you're gonna so you're basically gonna do like little chapter videos along the way of like yeah we share, yeah we may share bits and pieces like we did with Brian but um but yeah then yeah. But I mean, hopefully I mean eventually maybe it could even have the potential to be like a future yeah, you could have a little documentary or yeah. something. I think that's super cool. I mean, rare diseases are it's it's wild that when you were 13 and like your mom didn't even know that that was like a genetic disease in your family, like yeah. I just think about all the things people don't know about and like you said, like your problems are very little compared <laughs> to what they could be. Like it's just it's it's very inspiring that you guys are sharing your story, that you're willing to talk about it. So thank you for taking the time and yeah. reminding the listeners that like God loves them so much. And I agree. It it breaks my heart to see the brokenness that could be fixed with just realizing who God is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's like, your what's your typical Oh, you're gonna ask a question? No, I was just gonna say something. Oh. I guess I like <laughs> um, just to add from your thing <laughs> with documenting and stuff. I um, had had been in this place of because I wrote like my first book, you know, and it's all poetry. It was all about my breakup and not getting closure. So that's how I got closure. I just threw up all my feelings, and it ended up helping a lot of um, like women and young girls. And then I kind of just went into hiding once I had the stroke. I, I just deleted social media altogether. I kind of went into like a really unhealthy place of being, I should have just deleted the app, but I deleted the whole thing. Um, but I was like, I can't do this. I can't take it anymore. Um, so I kind of radio silence from social media for a while. And 
Then I came back probably a couple months ago, but my account was still on private because it was just like, eh, I'm not ready. But in the last three weeks, I've been I'm off private, sharing more, writing more, and kind of still continuing because I've always kind of documented my journey. But now it's, I have to write resources, you know, to like keep yeah. um, and sharing and writing. And I don't know what that next book mm-hmm. is. But um, God is just like stirring something, obviously. Like I know he's doing something here with both of us to yeah. be able to tell the story and continue telling it. Because it's, it's not like a – it's hard because there's not an end point right now. It's not like we have the end of your podcast and we say, I'm healed, and that's the story. And then I wrote about it. Like I don't know the ending. Um, yeah. So we're just kind of living it and telling it at the same time. And so, yeah, it's just what I wanted to say. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about that, Ashlyn, is, like, he's healed your present. I think that's pretty incredible. Like, you no longer have to worry for what you don't know because he's healed your present. He's healed you presently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was just going to ask what your your turnaround time is on your podcast. Well, you guys are, like, my first couple that I've interviewed, which makes me really excited. Mm -hmm. So... Probably let me just get out my calendar and just see here. <laughs> my calendar. Because then that's right. Let me just get my glasses on. Um, so this next Friday, so July 3rd, um, Tasha's episode is the uh, episode 11. So you guys will be, you could either be July 17th or you could be July 31st. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. <clears throat> Sweet. July 17th is when he broke up with me after heart surgery. I just remember that. <laughs> so should we not do that day? Or no, should we do no, like no, total no. redemption. All right, all right, all right. That I'm going to put you guys on the 17th then. Because, yeah, yeah, I have another guy, but he, he told me, he's like, I don't care. Just let me know when it's coming out. So I'll let him know his is the 31st, and then you guys are the 17th. So that's what we'll just plan on. Um. And I, yeah, if you guys don't mind sending me a couple of pictures of you guys, or if you want me to go look them up. We have, um, a, we have yeah. all our engagement photos that are really Sweet. good. Our photographers and we have some, yeah, yeah. And we have yeah. our engagement video, too. I don't know if you saw Sweet. our engagement video. Yeah, seriously, anything you want to link, I can throw on my website. So, and then I can link, like, each of your Instagrams or, like, just if you have a film page. I mean, send over whatever you have. Um, any, like, if you have any Bible studies that you guys are obsessed with, or like Ashlyn, your book, if it's for sale online, send me all of that so that people can find you. Cool. Sweet. Well, I'm super excited. Thank you guys for being on. I look forward to talking to you more maybe, but if not, I'm just really appreciative of the vulnerability you've been able to share. Cause I know it's not easy. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thanks for talking. With yeah. Us. Thank you. Yeah. And it's good to see you both. Josiah, keep being awesome. It's fun to see you so happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> All right. Take care, you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. You. Bye. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast.
Thank you for listening.